The church is not a building, and it is not people in pews. We all know that, but we seem content to focus on building structures of wood and brick, so we have a place to seat people on pews. These things are lecture halls for milk-fed Christian children. These are not places for a mature Christian to visit. At some point Christians need to graduate. There is a point where the adult needs to stop celebrating his or her Christian status and go out and get a job. But when the Christian student leaves his Christian school, he finds himself in the world of the flesh, forced to deal with the institutions of the state. But Christians are okay with that because we believe in the separation of church and state. The state governs the secular realm and the church, the spiritual realm. This being so Christians have become accustomed to thinking of the church as basically a secular institution, legitimized and regulated by the state in its physical manifestation. We console ourselves by thinking this physical thing is not really us. There may be many denominations and churches of every conceivable form and doctrine, there may be Christians who embrace every conceivable idea and call themselves godly, but somewhere in all of this chaos and confusion we say is an invisible church. We live by the rules and regulations of the state, work in state-regulated workplaces, use state-sanctioned money and purchase state-regulated goods and services and worship in a building the state refers to as a church that is regulated and licensed by the state, but we are the church. We do not sell all we have to follow Him. We do not pick up our cross and follow Him. We do not cease to worry about tomorrow nor refrain from preparing for difficult times by storing up resources using various means devised by the state. We certainly do not give to those who ask more than they asked for. There is good reasons for this. We live in a culture that makes this impossible. To follow Christ would be akin to suicide, so we do not follow Him and excuse it on the grounds that to make what He wants possible, we would need to build His church. But this is the problem. We place the church in Babylon. We make is a minor part of the secular world, and we wonder why God is so unreasonable He would want us to live in a way that is obviously incompatible with the secular system. There is no room in the secular world for God's church. This is not a lie. But it is an indicator of something many may not wish to acknowledge. God did not design His church to be a minor institution within the secular world. Why would this not be an obvious truth? How is it that Christians do not look at the building which they visit and say to themselves, but this makes no sense? Because it does not. There is no possible way we could even respond to the query as to what would Jesus do, with the response he would build a lecture hall for Christians to visit an hour a week. There is no way to justify the church model in use. It was marginally excusable when the Roman Catholics dominated Western culture, but when Protestants became influential it was the secular state that benefited the most. The biggest error Martin Luther made was in accepting the protection of the secular state. The church has never wrested power away from the state since that time. The myth of the separation of church and state is more about the state being decoupled from the church. The state goes about its business independent of the influence of the church. This certainly does not work the other way. 
the church can only be built where it is permitted. It is permitted to operate tax-free, but this is no different from any other charity. Even if there is some leeway given the church in what is permitted under the auspices of free speech, it is nowhere given the freedom that racialized minorities are. When it comes to intruding into the public square the secular state is treated as a pariah. Gays, transgenders and blacks are given almost unlimited access to public facilities to spread their messages of hate, doctrinal superiority and cultural merit while the church is expected to remain mute in the background. In many ways the church ought to have expected this. The secular state knows an organization cannot have two heads. If the church was honest with itself, it would know it would never be permitted to dominate the public square. Secularism and Christianity are not compatible. It is unreasonable to expect the state to serve as an evangelical arm of the church. But if this is not going to happen the only other possibility is that the church would find itself marginalized in a diverse group of non-Christians. In other words, the church and state separated have a power disparity. The state, as a neutral administrator, is committed to represent more than the church. As the church loses authority and autonomy the power vacuum is inhabited by other, non-Christian groups. In other words, there is no possible scenario in which the church and state are separate that they will remain co-equal partners in the public sphere. Invariably, it is the church that will be marginalized. The church, by negotiating a separation with the state will become, like a battered housewife, subjected to the superior regulatory power of the state. The separation of church and state cannot be a negotiated separation any more than a battered wife agree to separate from an abusive husband on his terms. The issue is, and always is, the communal property. Who owns what? If the church is a physical thing and Christians are people of the flesh, then the state will always have power of attorney over the physical assets of the church. The separation of church and state as negotiated by the state leaves the state with a perpetual lien on the assets of the church. Privatization means more than getting a license to operate from the state. One remains under the jurisdictional authority of the state. Yet, the church cannot acquire its freedom by means of a direct assault on the power of the state. The church has already acknowledged the authority and power of attorney of the state. Like an abusive husband who takes it for granted that his spouse has given her unreserved allegiance to him, outright assaults on the regulatory power of the state, plays into the narrative of the state. We are separate but only according to the terms laid down by the state. To separate one has to privatize church assets. The church has to be separated from the state. This is absolute, not a relative condition. But privatization is not a regulatory function of the state. The state cannot make citizens and it cannot produce private organizations or institutions. Separation must come from the church. We need to privatize the church if we are to divide from the state.